All right, welcome to episode nine of APS Radio. My name is Jim Bernica. I've got two special guests with me this month. We got uh, Neil McMillan from the Ottawa Firefighters, uh, local one six two. Is that right? You got it. I finally got it right. And then <laughs> I used to mess up uh, Sean Mitchell's uh, local all the time, but I'm going to just introduce him as the deputy chief in the Nantucket Fire Department now. Congratulations on that. Thank you, Jim. So part of the requisite to be on this show today is you had to be bald. So that was number one. So uh, that made it pretty short and simple of who to pick for this. But the whole idea behind today is to discuss the recently released public comments from the NFPA TIA for 1971, which is TIA 1594. And uh, there was a lot, a lot there. I mean, we're talking, I mean, 223 pages there you can you're watching us i mean it's a binder full uh 179 comments that were for the tia one that was against and then there was two statements now what did you guys think about when you heard those numbers relieved relieved it, it was great it was um yeah it seemed fantastic that you know we were heard that the message is out there and as complex and convoluted as a subject of fluorinated and polyfluorinated substances are firefighters get it their families get it um you know those that are interested in the health of firefighters and communities get it um and uh, i was actually overwhelmed by those numbers considering how short the period was for public comment and knowing what past results were uh with nfpa tia public comment figures yeah i think um from i think from what we heard typically a tia gets anywhere from two to maybe five or seven public comments. Uh, and so this one reaching 180 is incredible. And I think it's um, a testament to the hard work of the people who uh, promoted this TIA, but also all of the education and everything that's gone on in the last few years, because as Neil said, people get it and they took the time to put that in writing and submit it to the NFPA. So those numbers are, are overwhelming and hopefully the Standards Council uh, takes them into account when they make their decision yeah this this was a pretty short public comment period usually it is a little bit longer but we were late to the game to get this in so the fact that we got this in a short period I, I agree it speaks a lot to just our team and just all the marketing because uh, there's individuals that commented on this from really u.s canada i mean it was it was kind of it was really cool seeing because we're talking about family members of firefighters. We're talking about state senators. We're talking about uh, a lot of environmental groups. I um, mean, this isn't just one individual, but actual groups that represent uh, a lot of influence on this stuff are submitting comments. Um, and then we're even got, even got locals involved. IFF. I mean, entire States were writing in support of this, uh, and Providence, you know, Ottawa, San Francisco, Portland, Clackamas were some of the larger ones uh, as far as locals go in states, Illinois, Massachusetts, Ontario, Washington State. Um, it was it was definitely insane. Um, what were some of the, the comments or the, the themes that you saw that stuck stuck out for these comments? Well, some of the ones that I saw were, were the ones on, on both sides, I guess, of the spectrum. Um, there were some very in-depth analytical statements made. Um, one that kind of stood out 
from uh, the PFAS Project Lab at a Northeastern University, you know, summarizes, you know, uh, you know, a two-page statement by stating that peer-reviewed research shows that the moisture barrier is manufactured using PFAS, which is migrates from that moisture barrier and likely contributes to firefighter exposures to PFAS. And they have citations for that as well. And, and some of those things are, are pretty powerful because, you know, there's a number of signatures from that university, including a couple of doctors and doctoral students. Um, and then there's, on the other side of the equation, there's firefighters. There's, there's firefighters who are moms, who are nursing, you know, their young children, who are concerned about their daily occupational exposures to these chemicals that have developmental, you know, cause developmental issues um, and all sorts of downstream concerns, um, you know, for our families. Um, so those ones, to me, kind of really stood out because it covers the entire gamut. Um, and I think it really paints a great picture for that standard council um, committee uh, when they move forward to have to make an ultimate decision on this TIA. Sean, yeah. was there any, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I agree. It was such a, a vast array of um, groups and people and, and those 179 in favor, as you said, Jim, represent thousands and thousands of people, firefighters, um, and the NGOs, and, and it's more than just the one person who submitted it, even though that person's name may be on it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was it was overwhelming. It was great to see that it wasn't just from one specific area, one group, one lobby. It's from everybody from uh, researchers and scientists who dedicate their lives to PFAS, to the everyday firefighter who just has to wear the gear and doesn't want to wear uh, gear with these chemicals anymore. And these, these comments were, I mean, definitely you had your just simple, like I support the TIA, let's, let's get rid of these chemicals too. Like Neil said, full blown out scientific research. This is where we're at and, and everything in between. A lot of personal stories are within these comments. Firefighters that have had cancer, firefighters that, uh, you know, our, our friend Brian, his story about uh, not being able to have children. A lot of people worried about their children or be not just having children but being around for their children um it was uh it was a lot of personal deep stuff i know that uh just reading this stuff you can't help at least i couldn't help but get emotional reading it i don't know if you guys felt the same way yeah absolutely um some of the stories um really put things into perspective you know uh, you know one person's comments with you know, at least let firefighters who have to wear this, you know, equipment choose the type of suicide they choose, whether it's exposures to fire toxins um, or the stuff that's put in our gear, but let us choose. And, and NFPA, you know, your job is to kind of protect us. And at the very least, you should be listening to, you know, our concerns and, and our opinions on the subject. Uh, and then others are very introspective. Um, you know, there's a gentleman from uh, the Green Science Policy Institute uh, that made a comment referencing a lot of the legislative changes, uh, both, you know, uh, at state levels and provincial levels, where these chemicals are being banned and, and being regulated. And, you know, asking the question of, you know, why aren't, why isn't an FPA getting ahead of the ball and getting ahead of these chemicals being outright, you know, banned from use, you know, should we not be allowing for alternatives to be asked for and to be developed and, and to be options. So, uh, but yeah, very hard hitting, a lot of them. Uh, yeah, so I spent a couple uh, hours reviewing them and uh, yeah, they left us uh, or left me with a lot to think about. 
I know one of the ones that uh, I wrote down, I'm, I'm going to read it if you bear with me, audience. But it was uh, from Matt Alba. He was a San Francisco firefighter, part of their firefighter cancer prevention organization. And he wrote, and uh, I, I think why this spoke to me is because I felt very similar. And I think I've even said very similar things to this, but he wrote, I always assumed I would get cancer. It's simply a numbers game. The odds are not in my favor. Throughout my career, I have been losing my coworkers to this insidious disease again and again. It's time to make a change in the right direction. It's time to stop poisoning our brothers and sisters with our safety equipment. It's time to amend NFPA 1971. And uh, that echoed my thoughts and kind of my comment was, was similar to that. I actually put in, I looked up the mission statement of the NFPA and I broke it down that way. The mission statement for the NFPA is to help save lives and reduce loss with information, knowledge, and passion. And I wrote the information and the knowledge regarding these chemicals have been readily available. I just hope you all find the passion to do the right thing. And that's all we're asking is do the right thing. It's, it's too far gone to keep ignoring this and acting like it's not there. Something needs to be done. You guys agree? I imagine. Absolutely. I think the days of saying uh, we need more research, we need more studies, it's inconclusive. Those days are over. There's, there's plenty of research there. Um, we just have to hope that the NFPA actually follows that mission statement, because if they had been up to now, we wouldn't be here discussing this. Um, so, you know, that's why those public comments are so important, because it shows that it's not just coming from one or two people or one or two groups. The, this is... Um, from all across the United States and Canada and, and elsewhere, uh, trying to, to push this message that enough is enough. We know enough about it. So it's very simple. We're not, we're not even saying ban PFAS. We're just saying remove this test that none of you, by the way, can even justify why the test is there. The people on the committee don't know. Um, and so remove it and give us the choice. Pretty simple. Yeah, now NFPA will will tell you that they're just a governing father. You know, the committee who is who is made up of users and manufacturers and researchers, they're the ones that decide the standards and the policy. The problem with that, of course, is being that, you know, and they say it's they do that, I should say, so they say that no side has more influence than the other. But out of that comes, I think, a pretty direct conflict of interest. So you're finally getting to what's considered to be the standard council, the, the gurus, the, the head of the whole thing. And they finally are going to have this choice to make a decision based off of all this information. And I'm sure it's going to be quite an overload compared to what they're used to, because I don't think they've, they haven't seen anything like this in a long, long time, ever since I believe the four man staffing uh, standard, 1003 i think but um yeah they haven't had the numbers of comments like this so um the question is do you think that they're going to be able to look at all this and realize that there's something up here they need to do something about this do you, do you think we did enough in a short amount of now time what is what's your your what's your thoughts your personal thoughts 
going into this vote coming up, which is probably going to be on August 25th? I think so. I think so. I think what the, these public comments show is that, you know, the message that's been proliferated by, by the few, you know, the people that have really spearheaded this, you know, like, like yourself, Jim, um, like some of these other groups, like our general president, um, you know, it really validates that. Um, and these are, a lot of those things are summed up in, in a lot of the public comments. Um, you know, I, I think one that kind of speaks to that is, you know, Representative uh, uh, Dacia Graber um, for the Oregon State Legislature, who's a 20 year firefighter uh, as well, you know, saying that this light test, you know, is not based on good science. You know, the PFAS that firefighters are being exposed to, you know, are, are linked to a number of illnesses, not just cancer. But, you know, hormone suppression, liver damage, thyroid disease, fertility issues, obesity, you know, other metabolic and cardiovascular diseases and developmental issues. And, you know, it's time for NFPA, you know, to step up and, and really take into account, you know, what the fire service needs, what these uh, standards really require, and what should be allowed as far as uh, what firefighters should be looking for, considering as far as safer alternatives to what's currently available and, and what we're limited to under these current standards. So let's touch on what's actually next. So these just came out on Friday, the uh, 13th, and we have five days from that to appeal uh, the vote because also with the comments we had an updated vote which stayed pretty close to what it was there wasn't really a whole lot of movement on that it's still as far as the standards go and what needs to pass it still ended up failing but it now goes again to a hearing uh, which will happen probably i've been told august 25th um, the iaff is going to be putting in an appeal and we're going to have 10 minutes to discuss this in front of the council. And the IFF is going to take up kind of the, the reins on that project. And who knows if anybody is going to be speaking on the other side. I'm not really sure how that's going to work. But um, we know at least going into this that the IFF is going to put in the appeal. They're going to talk about it. And on August 25th, the standard council is going to hear it. There's 13 of those members. And from there, they'll make a decision. And they've made decisions in the past, even if it didn't pass the standard or the, the, the actual committee, they've gone the other way before. So we definitely have a shot at this. Uh, the public comments, I think, speak for themselves. Um, but it's going to be all up to this committee. And the, unfortunately, this committee is... It's not very transparent, you know, what, what they are going to discuss and how they discuss it. Uh, we're not going to get all that background. We're not going to get any constructive criticism. We're, we're just going to be told yes or no. And that's, uh, I don't know. I wish it was more transparent, but it's not this, that's just the NFPA system for you. So, uh, if you had, let's, let's kind of sum it up. I, I wanted again, just to kind of keep everybody up to date with what's been going on. This has been a whole entire process. Um, we've uh, now got these comments. We've got a lot of the comments and it's going to be up to the standard council. So kind of sum it up. What's, what's that at this point, 
what do you think the standard council should do? And then we'll get you guys out of here because I know we're we're taping this on a early Sunday afternoon. Well, you know, I think the standards council hopefully has educated themselves on the issue prior to their hearing. And I think they should take into account the public comments. Um, unlike Neil, I have zero faith that they will do that because Jim, as you said, it's a pretty, uh, this process has been described as murky and it seems like it's that way by design. Um, and so I, I just don't really have much faith that they're gonna listen to us. Uh, but another point I just wanna make, you mentioned the votes of the technical committee, or there's been two votes now. And anybody who submitted a comment most likely received an email from the NFPA saying that it, uh, the TIA has failed the technical committee vote as well as the vote of the correlating committee. And uh, I, th I think some people were maybe surprised or shocked by that because it seems like such a no brainer but those people shouldn't be discouraged because I think that was probably um, by, by many of us that was expected that this would not pass technical committee for the correlating committee vote, which sort of what is what uh, leads me to believe that the standards count, you know, if the, these people on the technical committee are supposed to be the structural turnout gear experts. And some of them are, but some of them have admitted that they didn't know anything about the PFAS issue. Uh, some of them, you know, and, and these are not industry people. These are people who represent a uh, cancer foundation. Somebody who represents labor was on a call telling people that newer PFAS like C6 are safe um, and that PFAS are used in medical devices, so they must be safe. He's getting that information from the industry most likely, um, but he's supposed to be an expert. And unfortunately he doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's the type of person who has a vote, a very important vote um, and both of those people voted against it. So. Uh, the, the votes of the technical committee were not a surprise. Um, I just hope that we've done enough and, uh, with the public comment and hopefully the testimony, if they, if they're going to actually listen to the testimony when that time comes, even though it's only 10 minutes, um, hopefully they, they will act in good faith. Neil, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with, with anything that uh, Sean said there. Um, it's true. I mean, you know, I'm a firefighter, you're a firefighter, Sean's a firefighter, and, and we're asked now to try to delve into subjects that people specialize in for years to, to get an understanding of. And we have to do it because, you know, we're immersed in these toxic chemicals. And the people that, that have voted on that technical committee are similar. Some of these people represent um, maintenance companies. Uh, manufacturers, um, you know, other service providers, and, and they don't have a background in this area yet, you know, it's their decision that's going to be influencing the standards council. Um, that said, the, the, the science does speak for itself. So if somebody is in that, that position to make the decision on behalf of all firefighters in North America, my hope is that they will recognize what true unbiased science says about this subject. Um, and I mean, we're firefighters, the general president, Ed Kelly, has said it many times, you know, we risk our lives for strangers and, you know, we are going to be doing all we can to protect the lives of each other, our brothers and sisters. We're loyal to a fault. We have long memories. And you know what? We won't forget um, and we will judge people, you know, that don't put firefighter safety first. And, you know, uh, I don't believe that the NFPA, um, you know, uh, Standards Council 
is oblivious to that fact. So, you know, I hope that helps, you know, them remain subjective uh, in their decision making and keep some of that uh, excess static from in manufacturers and industry out of the equation. Exactly. You know, and I would just sum it up as simple as this is all about starting the process to get a safe alternative. Right now, the manufacturers have no incentive because they have to fall within the rules of this standard. And by simply removing this standard, now all of a sudden, they have incentive and they can start to research and develop alternatives that we can use instead of these harmful chemicals. And it's not going to be something that happens overnight. None of us believe that. And we certainly don't want to put in a regrettable uh, substitution, which we heard over and over again. And we don't want to have individuals where it's now all of a sudden they're having cardiac issues because they're too hot or they get steam burns. That's not the intent of this. But until this test is removed, we're not going to have an opportunity to have an alternative. And we're going to continue to have these chemicals within our gear, which we know as soon as they're delivered to us, they're good for 10 more years. So this goes on and on and on. And the whole idea is to stop the bleeding, just to cut this off at some point. And that's what this TIA does. It's, uh, and this is us, just us working within this whole setup of the NFPA and trying to get it done. Uh, if there was a different way to do this, uh, that still had the results, we would have done that instead. But this was the, the smoothest transaction to get to our end goal, which was to have something else in place and just stop these chemicals from being in our gear. So I hope they see the light. I hope they understand that. We're not trying to harm firefighters. We're trying to help firefighters. And we're going through their process, their convoluted process to try to fix this the best we can so with that do you guys have anything else to add just uh, a thanks to everybody who took the time to submit a public comment and uh, just know that that those do matter and that um, even if this doesn't go the way we hope it does this this will just be the beginning and you will have uh, many more chances to have your voices heard because we'll be back again absolutely valid we're all three of us are part of a 1971 hazardous substance toxic uh group and uh i think we're going to just we're not stopping we're going to keep on them until we do have an alternative but this was uh i think our, our first shot at it and i i think the hope is that uh this works because i think all of us are ready to move the hell on am i right yeah, and that, that's a good point. So um, even if you're not interested in joining a technical committee, there are these task groups that have sort of broken out from the technical committee. And as you said, we're on one that is looking at PFAS and other toxic substances. Uh, the problem with it is it is heavily, heavily represented by industry and uh, we need firefighters. So anybody out there who is passionate about this, um, get in contact with us or with the NFPA 1971 committee and asked to be on that task group. So that's, that's a great way to have your voice heard. Absolutely. Because that task. And, group, and I'll, yeah, go ahead, Neil. No, no. All, all I can add is, is that, you know, keep the conversations going, you know, keep it, keep them going at the kitchen tables at the stations. 
uh, keep them going with your occupational health and safety committees, um, with your employer, um, all, of, all of that. As long as we maintain um, you know, discussions on the subject, we're going to be able to shed more light and, and cast out some of these uh, harmful, uh, unnecessary exposures that, that we're discussing. So you know, as Sean said, every public comment counts, every discussion, you know, just enlighten, enlightening ourselves as firefighters on some of these complex issues you know, is helping move the ball further down the field. It's in a way, and I think Sean feels this way ever since the resolutions, and we've we've really put these uh, these chemicals on the map, and we've we've really made a stand that we're just not going to tolerate it. So, even if this TIA doesn't fail, or if this if doesn't if it fails, we know that there's still open comment for the new 1970, which is what 1971 is going to turn into, and that's going to be up until November. So we can again comment, uh, do basically the same thing we just did, but point direction to the committee and we can have those numbers to where, again, they just, they can't ignore us. They have to do something about that. And we'll be able to give direction to the committee to get rid of that. You guys, you guys are smiling. You're like, yeah, Jim, you're full of shit. No, sorry. I had a seven-year-old bust in behind me. Oh, I didn't even see her. <laughs> All right. Um, well, with that, I'll tell you what, I'll let you guys get back to your Sunday afternoon. Um, again, the hearing should be the 25th and I'm not really sure how long it takes to get, uh, the results back, but, uh, hopefully here soon, we'll know where we stand regarding this TIA. And thanks again for everybody who wrote and all our, our entire team, the, the, all the Avengers that came together to really just for fight for us, fight for what's right. So. He's Sean, he's Neil, I'm Jim, and we're going to enjoy our day. So take care.